0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry-Minded Podcast. This is a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our oftentimes messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Brad Gray, and this is episode number 11. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by student pastor David Brady. David serves at North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And in this episode, he and I talk about God's leading in life, and especially leading in the difficult decision of leaving a ministry. And how does one navigate the transition from one ministry to the next? Also, how honest is too honest for a pastor? How is the ministry different from what we think it is? We seek to answer these questions. And David is a dear friend and you know former college classmate, and it was so fantastic to speak with him and hear how God's been using him to influence lives and advance the kingdom. I think you'll be greatly blessed by this conversation as we talk about ministry transition, honesty in ministry, and the modern student ministry. Today's show is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, and it helps readers to make a deeper connection with the Word of God, inspiring lifelong discipleship. The CSP is equally suited for the serious student or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. You can learn more by going to csbible.com. Now for David Brady. We have a very special guest, my old friend from college, David Brady. How you doing, David?
1: Pretty good, man. How you doing, Brad?
0: Good, good. It's so glad to have you on. It's taken us a while to get here, but I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Kind of yeah. Fun, so. <laughs> if you can, just really quick, introduce yourself uh, in a few words. Our listeners probably don't know who you are, but uh, and who is David Brady?
1: Okay, so I am 27 years old. I just moved to Atlanta, Georgia, um, and I work for North Point Community Church. I work for their high school ministry, and so um, it's just been a great opportunity to just kind of um, plug in and serve the local church. I love it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, but before that, I was in ministry for a couple of years up in Chicago, Um then I was a school teacher, So and then back to school where we met. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome.
0: I'm so glad to hear that. But let's just address the elephant in the room that's right now, right off the bat. Why isn't David Brady on social media anymore?
1: I am um, <laughs> on Instagram. but I know. <laughs> I, I got off of uh, Facebook. One of the reasons, really, honestly, it was just um, – it was – I was talking to a mentor of mine, and they were basically just like, hey, you need to cut out, like, toxic things in your life. And so one of those honestly was like Facebook for me. It doesn't have to be for everybody. I understand that. But,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, for me, I would just, I repeat, I, you're so many opinions and so many voices that I don't necessarily need to hear in my life. And a lot of those opinions and voices gave me like bad views of people. And I would think poorly of people based on some like political view or religious view or something. I could judge them on the amount of selfies they were taking or whatever. (laughs) So, um, really, it was just for me, really, it wasn't, it's kind of an inward thing. I just wanted to kind of choose joy. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it at all. Because it was just kind of like, hey, I, I don't need, an election season was coming up and all this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, I do not need this. And so actually I was with somebody the other day and they were scrolling through their Facebook. And I was like, man, that was like the best decision I ever made. So it was hard for me because I love keeping track of like guys like you and just seeing where people from college and old friends are. So it's kind of harder on Instagram. But that way, Instagram, is not more opinions, it's just kind of pictures of people's lives and you kind of go with that. So no, I totally,
0: kind of I totally respect that decision. I'm just giving you our time. I just, <laughs> I remember we were pretty active on Twitter for a while
1: and then yeah. kind of went I got off. I, I got off of Twitter and Facebook at the same time. It was just kind of, I think it was right around a year ago. I was just kind of like, let's just go for it. Let's just, let's just try it. So it's been great. <laughs>
0: No, that's so good. I, You know, that decision is always tinkering around in my head, too, just because you you don't realize how attached you are to that right. sort of platform until it's taken away for a little bit. And I am so, uh, I'm sort of put on the spot by your decision, too. So, no, kudos to you, my friend. Kudos to you. No, I'm not trying to judge anybody. <laughs>
1: that, that was just a personal decision. So,
0: No, that's good. It, it, I don't think a lot of people and to be honest, I really don't think a lot of people would make that same decision because not a lot of people have the same sort of self awareness that, you know, maybe this would be a toxic thing for me, but that's really good that you had that sort of sense of, you know, that I need to cut this out. And and that's I you know, I really highly commend you for that. Um because not a lot of people would do that, especially in this, you know, sort of tech driven age that we're in. Yeah.
1: Well, thank um, you, man. Appreciate yeah. it. It's been good.
0: I, you know, you mentioned just in your introduction that you just transitioned to Atlanta and, uh, from Chicago, which is a pretty big move, which uh, not a lot of people would make. So just, uh, talk to me about that and how God sort of worked that into your life going from the church in Chicago to a church in Atlanta.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I loved, I was working in uh, student ministry up in Chicago and I love students. And I feel like that's uh, God's calling on my life right now. That's a gift he's given me just to connect with students. And, um, I just, I mean, we've talked, but I have like a strong, like a passion for the gospel and a passion for mm-hmm. grace. And mm-hmm. I want students everywhere to know where they stand with Jesus. And, yeah. um, because that's the grace that rescued me and that's kind of my calling and it may transition someday into like adult ministries or something but for right now like students are my passion I love high school students so I was loving what I was doing um, loved our student ministry and kind of over the starting probably last Christmas ish um, I began to just I don't know I just had this like I think I mean obviously it was the Holy Spirit but I just didn't like recognize it as that then um, but it was more of a, I didn't know if I, I wasn't settling in. I had been there for about a year and a half. I wasn't settling in. I wasn't, uh, having roots. I didn't feel really a strong connection to the church necessarily. I loved the ministry I was a part of, but I, the church, um, and it was just a difference that I started to take like self, I don't know what you call it, self in that, but, the the thing I came down to was I loved, I love my church. I love my senior pastor. I just didn't, my heart wasn't where his heart was at with the vision, the overall vision of the church. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. a bad vision. It just wasn't where my passions lied. And Mm -hmm. um, I just know God has given me kind of just a unique connection with unchurched students and students that are far from God and don't know anything. And our Mm -hmm. church was generally geared towards church, the church and helping uh, Christians grow deeper in their faith and so long-term I just I started praying about it back in the winter and I didn't really pray about it every day it just kind of once a week probably just as kind of Lord brought it up I just hey, you know God what what is is this long-term for me Is it short-term what does that look like I didn't actively go looking uh, I just never felt like I should be looking for something I just want to be 100% where I was and I was content where I was I just didn't know I was kind of wrestling with long-term and so Ultimately, in May, I was uh, texting a friend of mine down here in Atlanta, and we had been friends for about a year. We connected uh, through a camp. We had taken our high schoolers to, and uh, we were just talking about life, and he just reached out and said, hey, would you just randomly one day, just said, hey, would you be interested in uh, working for me? And so that started a conversation where um, the church I'm a part of now, like I feel like my passions are in line with, and Mm -hmm. I would just recommend anybody going into ministry – like my first job in ministry was this former church and so I took the job and it was God used it in so many ways to grow me and like mature me in ministry. But um I just kind of now I realize about how important it is to fit well with your senior pastor and elders and just say, hey, man, like my heart's in line with your vision and I, we're going to like work together to carry this out. And if your heart's not in line with that, if your passion is not that, then that's okay. Neither of you are in the wrong, but it's more of so of a, hey, you may want to find a church for your long-term growth and your long-term planting, long-term planting to find a church you really like gel with and you really mm-hmm. sink, your heart sinks with. And so that was when North Point reached out, I just ultimately long-term, I was like, um, the elders and the leadership of North Point, their vision is for unchurched people. And so that's kind of, I was, I just, it was kind of a really a, a unique kind of situation, but I just kind of said, you know what, like God is, this is yours, like open that door. And if it's not, close the door. So I just kind of started <laughs> walking through doors and um, ultimately they offered me a job. And so I moved down, but it's been great. And I'm learning more and more, like, so about how to reach unchurched people and what that looks like in a student environment. And so um, it's been great, man. It's been really stretching because, um, I was like, I say this, but it was like, I was like a big fish in a small pond. <laughs> and and then I moved to a very large pond where I'm a very small pit, fish. And so it's <laughs> been yeah. extremely humbling. But at the same time, you're just learning so much. And there's so many uh, high level like pastors and leaders around you that you can kind of tap into and kind of like let them pour into your life, which has been amazing. So
0: so working at Bethel,
1: how long were you at, um,
0: at Bethel up in Chicago?
1: I was there for two years. Hmm. It was actually interesting because the first you don't need to know this, obviously, but like <laughs> my first interview with them, when they contacted my first interview was July 8th of 2014. And my last lunch there was July 8th, 2016. And it was oh. like it was weird. I, I thought about it I was having lunch with the same three guys that I started with. And wow. they're like, hey, let's, go to, let's go to lunch on Wednesday as a final, like, you know, sort of last week. And so I went to lunch and I was like, let me look at my email. So I looked all the way back at my email and I was like, I'm pretty sure this day sounds eerily familiar. And so it was exactly two years from the time I started to the time I finished. It was crazy. So, but it was great. Like, and it's really hard. I would tell people, anybody in ministry, like, it's really hard. Or sorry, it's really easy to leave when things are really bad. Or yeah. there's just like a toxic staff culture, or it's not a good fit. It's really easy to leave because you're looking for anything better. Um, the challenge in that is to stay content where you're at. Yeah. Not, yeah. not not necessarily like you don't have to love every second of it, but you say, hey, like if God resigns yourself to, hey, if God wants me to be here for the next 10 years, I'm I will submit to that and I'll do that. Um, it's really hard to be, but if it's going really well and then there's an opportunity that arises. Um, that's when it's really hard. So that was when it was hard for me because our ministry, God's favor was on the ministry, honestly, and it grew like five, 600% in two years and just blowing up. And kids are seeing come to Jesus and all this stuff. And strong families, students and all this. And then all of a sudden God's like, you should move. And I'm like, man, like that's, I honestly laid in bed one night. I was down in my interviews and uh, I laid in the hotel and I was like, did I make the wrong decision mm-hmm. that offered me the job? I was like, did I make the wrong decision? Cause I loved our students. And I loved our ministry. And then, um, just through a process of just kind of like talking to my mentors and people that counseled me, I was like, this is the, and my, my counseling pastor actually told me, he said, you need every step in ministry to really simplify it. He said, this will help you. This is really wise. He said to simplify every move in ministry. Cause you can like overcloud it with over spiritualizations and really kind of just I don't know you just kind of over spiritualize it and kind of overthink it yeah. he said and he's been in ministry for 50 years and he said every minute moving ministry if i were to go back and tell myself he's like and the question is is this a better fit Not that you're always searching for a better fit but if a, if a situation arises where a church contacts you or something to ask yourself is this going to be a better fit than where i'm at right now for ministry and if it is then pursue it. But if it's not, don't just move because it's a move.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Then you're just going to move and you're not moving towards kind of his whole emphasis was move closer to the lane. God has gifted you. Yeah. So if it's a better fit with your passions and gift set, then do it. If it's not, then don't do it. Even if it's a ball in church and you really want to um, be a part of like an awesome movement or something, but if it's not a good ministry fit for you, don't do it. Like if it's a good ministry that fits with your gifts, your passions, and your desires, then do it. So and that goes back to sort of finding your voice.
0: And I think, you know, just from my, what I've been around you and I've, I've sort of um, I know you a little bit and I, I can know, and I can tell that you've, you found your voice and you found your sort of niche it, as, you, mm-hmm. as it could say in this whole sort of gospel kingdom movement. And so, you know, what your role is. And I think that's, that's awesome that, you know, that this is my voice and maybe didn't fit with this ministry, but this ministry, I feel like I can plug in and get right involved. And I think that's, that's so amazing that you have found that, you know, at this stage in your life. Um, Cause not a lot of guys, it takes them a while to sort of say like, this is where I belong. And, and I think you're really right on something when you said that it's really easy to leave a church, when it's, when it's a bad situation, but it takes a little bit more, um, it takes a little bit more time and a little bit more, you mm-hmm. know, adeptness and maybe courage even to say, you know, things are going really well, but I feel like God is moving me somewhere else. And so that's, that's so, um, mm-hmm. so just amazing. I think that you, you were able to do that. I'm really praying for you as you're in Atlanta. Um, but let me ask you this question. um. Yeah. What what would you say though is like one of the biggest things you've looked you, that you learned at, at Bethel at, in your time there? What was one of the biggest things that you sort of developed over the time that you were ministering there?
1: Um, are you talking about leadership, spirituality, like gospel? Like what do you?
0: Yeah. Like le- for? Leadership wise. What was one of the biggest things that you, that sort of, that you changed, I guess, in your time there? Okay.
1: Yeah. I, that was my first job in ministry and I, uh, I had no idea what i was doing (laughs) not not a clue and i still don't but i have a little more of a clue now but i mean i i mean they i was the director of student issues at their main campus and i'm like why are you putting me in this position Mm. um even myself i'm like i'm not qualified for this i don't i mean i know i love students and love jesus but that i don't know if that necessarily qualifies you um so I think the biggest thing I've learned as far as a leadership, number one, most important thing I think is for people to know is, um, being in ministry doesn't make you spiritual. Mm -hmm. Um, some of my biggest battles personally for spiritual growth have been while I'm in ministry. Mm -hmm. I felt like while I was out of ministry, um, I had much more like, I don't know. There's something about ministry that, fights against your joy I think it's because you're so heavily invested in people that you hear struggles your issues then you're getting like every Christian is very opinionated and that's fine but it ultimately weighs on you and then you get jaded towards this person another bad thing about ministry and Paul Tripp wrote about this in a dangerous calling but he says he basically warns against isolation mm-hmm. and it's so easy for people in ministry to isolate themselves because Not very many people understand the ways and pulls of ministry because you're getting critics, naysayers, angry parents, angry staff members, whatever. And then you're getting the weight of ministry that you have to carry and the burden of like watching students, you know, like fail in this area and you're trying to like carry that. And then you're personally struggling. That's why a lot of people burn out. And that's why a lot of people, they burn out to a point where they're just, they make a poor decision and it, Disqualifies them, or what? Because ministry weighs and it drives you into isolation. Because then you're thinking, "Why well, I can't I can't be open about this struggle? Because these people don't understand. They would question why I'm in leadership if I struggle with this. Mm. And obviously, that is not the gospel. And that that obviously that comes from a root of not believing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's very hard if you don't if you're consistently pouring out and nobody's pouring into you. And so that's what I would. That's my main thing is ministry doesn't equate spirituality at all and so um or the fact that somebody may not may or not may or may not be growing in their faith while in ministry so that's kind of a scary thing to realize um also which makes you even pray more for your leaders and pastors and that they don't walk in isolation that they walk in um openness and transparency with people that they trust and love and so and then the second thing I would learn is ministry, um, there's a, ministry is not as, if I can say this, not as sexy as most people think it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. He and, is. and so the, and the reason I say that is because it's a lot of nuts and bolts mm. and it's a lot of practicality and it's a lot of, a lot of it is not. There is a spiritual leadership to it, I 100% Of Ministry Minded, a, lot of a podcast
0: that seeks to marvel at like the mercy of God that things, meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad I'm Gray, from, um, of course, and this is episode number seven. To On today's show, show, I'm really thrilled is, to be joined Robert by Linden, Bill Brimer. Bill is the so, music pastor it. at Soul Thirst so, Church
1: in, in the Colony, Texas.
0: To, uh, and throughout this uh, discussion, we talk about many different things, including Lutheranism, the beauty of Lutheranism liturgy Inspire, and the spiritual um, experience of really leading music we also share our common distaste for the title of worship leader and so if you
1: have that platform, bill also shares the story um, behind
0: his newest album your, with job, the artist giving
1: those talents it's your job to go invest those talents and so bill I also shares and i know leaders that they Bill also shares the
0: story behind his latest PS, album, which you can find on his website. The next, the I love this conversation, and I love talking to Bill about and grace the and theology and, healing, and music, and I think you will too. Today's show, as you, you know, is brought to you by the Christian so. Standard Bible.
2: Mm-hmm. So Offering an optimal blend of
0: accuracy and readability, yeah, so the CSB helps readers to make a deeper connection with God's Word and inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or sharing with your neighbor oh, hearing God's word for the very nice. first time That's learn Steve more at csbible.com.
1: Now, how to for Bill gospel how to a quick break volunteer. for a word
0: from my partners in um, ministry, ministry,
1: like listen to everything and reading all now back to Bill. On. secular non-secular um, and thanks again to Bill uh, for taking the time to come on the God show today. Be sure to follow him so on
0: Twitter and stay up to date with his music at BillBryner.com. You go can find all those links in the show notes. So and that's it for today's episode that's of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for staying with that's me that's and for listening. If you like what you just heard and would like to hear more episodes like this, be sure and follow the show on Twitter. You can also subscribe in iTunes, and you can also follow along on SoundCloud. if you really like what you just heard, you can do me a really good favor and Leave me a short review or a comment. That'll go a long way for me to continue making shows like this happen. Thanks again to CSB for sponsoring this show. And thank you as always for listening and commenting and subscribing. I'll see you on the
1: next episode. Blessings. And so it's a, it's different. I, it's so, it's not as easy as people think it is. Um, now you have your shot in mystery be lazy or, but I think pastors that work hard, God blesses. I mean, I think God really does bless hard work and he blesses um, commitment to investing those talents. Those two talents that he gave you are the one talent he gave you. Say, I'm going to invest those back into the kingdom and I'm going to return double. And I think it's easy to coast in ministry, but I think a lot of people hit their ceiling in ministry because they fail to go do the practical things
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they think it's more spiritual. And there's a spiritual side, definitely but I think there's also a very practical side that says I can't be burning people and I can't be a dictator and I can't be micromanaging and that's just leadership Yep. and how to have a hard conversation with a volunteer, how to look, learn what to recruit for out of a volunteer and what to look for and how to inspire and lead. And those are all things that are found in God given wisdom outside of the Bible. And that's found inside the Bible. And, but I'm saying in the American church, there's, more than enough resources to go out and learn what you need to learn about ministry. Yeah. And so that's, those are the main two things I would well, say. I like that because, you know, a
0: pastor isn't any good if he stays in his study. And I think that's right. kind of what you're getting to is that a lot of guys, these they have these grand ideas about ministry where you just study and then you preach this really amazing message on Sundays. But obviously, ministry and the ministry, especially to students, to students who are going through a lot of things that even Mm -hmm. I and you weren't going through when we were in high school, ministry is a lot dirtier than that. It's a lot messier Mm -hmm. than that a lot of times. And it it happens more so on Monday through Saturday than it does on Sunday. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what I like about what you're saying is that it, just in going back again to Paul Tripp is it's not in isolation. It's not a pastor in his study. And that's what it means to be any sort of pastor at any position. Right. It's what he does with his people, how he shepherds his people.
1: Yep. And, and that's so important. go ahead. Yeah, no. And, and to be, to know what your people are going through, you have to be in with the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can't go, go up to your uh, mountaintop and come down with your 10 commandments every Sunday. <laughs> you You have to be, in with the people and that's a mess like that's 100 percent messy and and we get frustrated by people and it's much easier and safer to not engage with people but yeah. um you know my pastor always asks what does love require of you and love re- love requires you to get in people's messes
2: yeah and
1: share with them in that and say hey i understand and be there and whatever that mission or message that you have, which for me, it's grace. Like that's, that's my opportunity to, that's what love requires of me is to be in that mess with people and Mm -hmm. be places you don't really want to be at nine o'clock at night and make the long drive to somebody's house or whatever it is. But it just, it's a lot, ministry is a lot different than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, but it's, I can understand what a, a mentor of mine before I left Greenville uh, to take this first job in ministry. He looked at me, he was a pastor, he's a teaching pastor at church. And he said, you're going to love working in a church and you're going to hate working at a church. Mm. And I didn't understand. Cause I'm like, no way. I love the church. I love like love ministry. And now I completely understand hundred percent what he means. <laughs> and, and it's just one of those things that you're like, ah, I get that now. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> but that's, you know and you obviously know that you've worked in churches long enough to know like the good the bad and the ugly about churches yeah. but so and I would say like another let like, my last thing I'm sorry I'm talking a lot but okay. um okay one of the last I think it's essential for any person in ministry if they're leading a ministry um volunteer driven or not like to have absolute one hundred percent clarity on what you are trying to do
2: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think a, I think a lot of churches most churches actually try to do way too much yeah and yeah. um there's I said earlier Christians are very opinionated and they have their issues with everything but if your senior pastor or your elders are crystal clear on their vision it's the chipotle I call it the chipotle factor <laughs> chipotle is crystal clear about what they're trying to do they have burritos and tacos that's it then you have, on the other hand, you have uh, Gold, Golden Corral, or whatever your local buffet is, where they're trying to do <laughs> 150 different food items, and all of them are mediocre.
2: Mm-hmm. Like if you go
1: Ch- yeah, But if you go to Chick-fil-A, they have one thing they're very, very good at, and that's what they're good at, is mm-hmm. the chicken sandwich. And they don't try to be McDonald's. They don't try to have beef. They don't try to have like all these things. They say, hey, we're about chicken. And that's what we're about chipotle we're about burritos what that does is it gives them absolute clarity so somebody could come up and say hey dude there's this amazing breakfast sandwich it's with sausage and they're like that's not what we're about that's not even in the picture mm. so with churches for a pastor and an elder team to or a deacon team whoever it is to say this is what we're but this is what we want to do we want to reach this person these this specific audience or we want to reach this person, this is how we want our ministries to look to, to be very crystal clear. And then when outside voices come in and go, You should do this, you can you can defer and say, That's I that's a great thing, but that's not what God has called us to do as a church. Mm. But there are, this is the beauty of the body of Christ, there's 15 other churches within 30 minutes that have those types of ministries and so it disarms people and it also gives you a soft landing to say hey like i understand that's a, i understand where your heart is maybe a grace community church down the road is maybe a better fit for you because that's their passion i know that pastor he loves god loves the church and it's about that so maybe like you should go there and start serving there if that's where god has really inspired you to move but this is what we're about and so I think a lot of churches get frustrated and staff people get frustrated on church staffs because, and members, because they feel like their church is not going anywhere. And it's because their church is doing 15 different ministries and they don't know where their focus is. Like my church is crystal clear, small group ministry. Like that's what my church is about. And so they don't, they have their care team and they have things that the church is for, but ultimately, they focus, they, they hire and staff towards and focus all on small group engagement. And that's the only um, numerical goal we have as a church is the percentage of our people fully engaged in small group ministry, which means they are in community and walking with fellow Christians in community and growing in their relationship with Jesus. And so um, there's, it's very crystal clear. We have, we have uh, weekend services and then small group engagement. And... Inside those other groups, you'll find care for things and you'll find men's groups and you'll find women's groups and you'll find but family ministries is on the weekends. And so about building families. And so it's very crystal clear and there's no debate like we're the vision and mission of my church is we are. We want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. And so that's crystal clear. So everything kind of filters through that vision. Mm -hmm. There's a million different churches out there that do a million different things really well, but that's not what God has called ours. Our leadership team to do, and so we just stick to that and trust. I mean, I just went to a church yesterday just to kind of check out their student ministry in Atlanta because are good friends of our church, and I had a free Sunday, and so I wanted to roll down there. And so I went down to the city, and th- I asked them, I said, "What are you guys about?" And he said, "We are about growing our students in deeper into the Bible through like mentoring and discipleship, and that's what we're really about." And that's in contrast to my our church, which is More so about like a soft entrance for unchurched students. And that's fine. Like, if that's the beauty of the body of Christ, a church doesn't have to be all things to everybody. You can focus because there's a church, there's more than likely a church in your city that does something different than your church Mm -hmm. and that their pastor is really good at or whatever it is. But you don't have, I think the misnomer in ministry is you have to be good at everything and you can't be because you don't have enough resources. So, pool your resources and go, we're going to be good at this one thing so it's like the blue ocean strategy instead of focusing on the one Island that's out there and go like, let's, let's, try to be like them. Like, Hey, there's a vast blue ocean and we can just create our own Island here and we can just be good at this one thing and let wherever God's directed your heart. So, I mean, I could be hundred percent wrong on that. And I'm young in ministry, but that's kind of where I've landed in the past couple of years. So.
0: No, I love that because that keeps people unified and keeps people saying that this is our goal and this is what we're trying to do. And it, I think it allows – it's just – it's a natural thing. Not Besides just ministry, any sort of team you're putting together, if you don't have a unified sort of vision for what you want to accomplish, people are going to be doing different things, and ultimately it's going to be almost like a cancer for that team that it's not going to thrive and it's not going to succeed. But um, one thing I want to go back on that you touched on yeah. earlier is just because I liked what you said, and I think it's really important, is the fact of – transparency um, amongst leaders, especially ministry mm-hmm. leaders, it's not often found a lot of the time just because of exactly what you said is that I feel like I'm going to be judged if I, you know, admit to having this sort of sin or whatever. And so right. I know, you know, we're both young guys in ministry, but how, how would you approach, you know, one of your, one of your volunteers or someone like that who's with you in ministry and they confess to you something like that, how right. does the gospel, sort of inform you on how to deal with that because i think a lot of people don't know how to how to handle those sorts of situations
1: okay yeah um if it, it just i told my bosses the other day and i said i'm about i'm gonna sound super cliche but i'm about grace and grace is where God met me and grace is what pursued my heart and grace is what um, ultimately like sustains my walk with Jesus and um, that's also sanctifying me is continued running back to the gospel and so um, the most impactful moments of my life have been when when I was un like when I was guilty as charged like guilty as charged and God met me God met me with un relenting grace and multiple times and I can give you very specific instances when I felt this and where this grace met me. So when I deal with hard situations or I run into um, whatever whatever the issue is, I told my past I told my boss the other day, I said, he said, where are you at with this? Kind of asked me this very similar question. I said, I'm gonna this sounds really weird, but I said I'm gonna gamble on grace every time. <laughs> Like, if I go down, if I make a mistake, it's going to be because I believed in grace too much, if that's even possible. Um, I'm not saying me go down personally, but, like, if I'm going to make a wrong choice of whether or not to, like, believe in somebody or forgive somebody or extend mercy to somebody that didn't really deserve it, I'm going to gamble on grace every time. And I I'll fall on that every time yeah. because I'm fearful of the fact that if I ever lose sight of where God brought me from, and how how far I was from him and how far I was running from him um my heart like I'm very fearful like I'll lose that and I won't extend grace to people like God extended grace to me and there's those parables in the Bible where you know the the guy that owed a lot of money got his debt forgiven and then he went to the next guy down the line and said you owe me like five bucks and give me that five bucks I'm not going to show you grace on that and um his master was just like livid with them, you know? And, and I, I remember that every time, like, man, I don't ever want to come down. And now there are certain situations where you have to have a hard conversation. And uh, for instance, like our small group leaders, they have to, our, we have a family covenant and they know they sign on the dotted line, like we're expected to abide by these rules. And there's obviously, there's obviously horizontal consequences uh, for certain actions. Um, but every time i think you choose you you abide by whatever the rules are obviously there's there are rules and there are consequences for certain actions but i would want somebody to know like hey you may have lost like maybe a position or you had to step down from a position because of a certain situation or you're struggling with something or you want to take a you know family issue or marriage issue whatever it is but i want you to know this has nothing to do with how i think view you as a person this is simply for the sake of the ministry, but for you personally, this does not change. your standing with me, and I think that's the same way God views us. Yep. And there may be certain consequences for certain actions, and there, you know, it's, my grandma told me one time when I was real little. I always remember this now. She said, "You can choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences." Mm-hmm. And it was so true. But and you, you don't know the consequences when you do something, but we know as believers in the gospel, like that. That does not change God's perception of us. Our, our human standard does not change God's perception. And so maybe you, maybe you have to take a hit in humility and just step down or whatever it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I want people to know in that moment: listen, like this does not change who you are before God, and it definitely won't change who you are with me. Mm-hmm. Because I, if you know the depths of your heart, Brad, you're that same guy. Yep. You're that girl. You're that person. And once we stop thinking that, that's where you're in a really dangerous position, I think. Uh, Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, if it's like a middle of the fence issue, like,
0: ah, I don't
1: know, like, I'm just gonna gamble on grace. I'm gonna go with it every time because grace ultimately um, draws back people. And harsh, I don't want harsh law. I don't want that for myself. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you have the harsh consequence, but I do not want harsh law and harsh, like, angry legalism. And that's the tendency is when people fail, we, we, sh- Christians were the worst at shooting our own. And it's like, man. So I don't know. That's, and you, we've all seen people in ministry, you know, like fail and have moral failures and whatever. And it's like, man, I know that's me. Like we've all seen our whole life. And it's like, that's me by the, but except for the grace of God. Yep. And, yep. um, so, I mean, I ran into a situation a couple of years ago with um, some people in our church that um, some really heinous things came out about um, one of the members of the family, and like heinous enough to where serving prison time and all that. And um, I had uh, a family member come up to me because it was like a two year process. It was right, it happened right when I got there, and it was still going on when I left, and it was family member came up to me as I was transitioning out of the church and um I just spent a couple of years just loving on the family loving on this person even though they uh, were headed to prison time and for what they had done and um the like the amount of tears I saw in that conversation like myself and with these these people like they couldn't believe they they were like we're so undeserving uh why you would still accept us and love us and that was just it wasn't me. And I, at first you're angry about the situation. Why would this happen? Why would they do that? Like, I don't understand. They're hurting their family. Why, you know, all that situation. I want to go into the details, but cause it's their story. But, um, I just, the whole time I kept thinking, this is the kind of person Jesus ran, right. to. Yep. This is the kind of person in the gospel where everybody else was like, you're outcast of society. Now you're literally going to be in prison. You're, you're, you're not acceptable in culture anymore because of your crime. And I kept thinking the entire time, this is who, this is who God would run to. This yeah. is who Jesus was walking the earth. He would be at dinner with this family and he would be loving on this family and saying, hey, like understand what you're going through, but that doesn't change who you are to me. Exactly. And so that's, and if you can keep that and there's a humility there and there's some grace there. And uh, there's also some like reality, like you, you have to own up to the consequences. but somebody as a person should never walk away feeling less of a person because of Mm -hmm. a sin they've committed and that's ultimately the goal in every conversation is does this person um, is this person like confident in who they are in Jesus right now Mm -hmm. even in the middle of failure because that's ultimately what what sustain you and we tear down people all the time it's like man geez people Um, like relax you know, so uh, so. anyways, that's kind of that wasn't to like blow me up. That was just God's grace. And I just try to always remember that.
0: No, that's good, because I like what you said is sort of what I like to say is that our earthly doing can't affect our heavenly standing. Because once you believe that there is therefore now no condemnation for you mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. Yeah nothing can affect you. Nothing can affect that standing. And just like you said, just remembering sort of where you came from, that keeps you humble in moments like those. And, you know, sin is filthy, but thankfully Jesus isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. And that's what I'm thankful for. And so just like you were saying, and and for ministers out there, they shouldn't be afraid to get their hands dirty either. They should reach into those situations, just like Jesus did for them. And um, that's where ministry happens, I think.
1: And I'm so happy to hear that you're doing that. Um, that's, go ahead. Yeah, if I say one more. the oh. I say this, and this was super scandalous when I first said it at my at my old church. I said it for the first time, like one of my first sermons I ever preached. <laughs> and I said, even if you were to go out tonight and sleep with somebody you were not supposed to sleep with, married person, not married, doesn't matter. That's It's kind of like a taboo in Christian culture, obviously, um, to do that. I said, your hard work every day. Is that next morning? Let's say I have Friday. Your hard work is to wake up Saturday morning and believe somehow radically believe that God looks at you and says, You are my beloved son, or you are my beloved daughter, and in you I am well pleased. Hmm. And that is completely scandalous. But what God says about Jesus, He now says about us because of what Jesus did for us. And so that's the gospel. Not to say that that won't be consequences. Not to say that you should go do that. But that's your hard work. The next morning is waking up and going, confessing before God, saying, "This is what I've done." But somehow, in your grace, God still looks at me and says, "You are holy, spotless, blameless, righteous. Your standing with me has not changed." In the middle of your absolute failure, hmm. that's completely scandalous. But that's grace. Yep. And somehow that pertains to us too. And that's that's the hard work. But as me as a minister of the gospel now and you as a minister of the gospel is to go and be in the middle of that situation and say, I want you to know this is true of you and speak life into that person when they shouldn't deserve they don't deserve it, they yep. don't understand it. But if you say, Hey, I really need I'm gonna if you don't even believe it for yourself, I'm gonna believe it for you yep and that you god looks at you just like he looks at his son jesus now Yep, and that's the radical grace of the gospel and that's the gospel and if we don't believe in that then we support so pull, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps christianity yep and you pay the piper you there's a scorecard and all that so no i love that just because it's
0: it, it sort of reminds me of the story of david and so Technically, mm-hmm. me and you and ministers everywhere, we need to be like Nathan. We need to be right there in the midst after David has failed. Mm-hmm. and He's failed miserably if, considering his position. And David and Nathan was right there. And he, yes, he gave him law and he told him, hey, this is where you messed up. But then he yep. immediately gave him the grace to say, the Lord is still there and he's waiting for you. And you are, you are a man after God's own heart. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what's amazing to me about that story is that David fails king david fails the most um uh, 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 like I- impossible way to think about that this guy would do that and then he's mm-hmm. afterwards called a man after god's own heart yeah. that's grace right there
1: yeah it is grace and it's, it gives us hope exactly <laughs> it gives us hope in our failures exactly
0: so. now uh sort of just um transitioning a little bit now um let me ask you, so we went to the same Bible college, obviously, in the southeast, and um, let me ask you this, just because I've I've noticed myself, and I can sort of tell just by the way you talk, um, is the fact that over the last six years, if, like, I'll just share is I have, have sort of, what I like to call, like, going back to Gerard Wilson's book of gospel wakefulness, I've sort of had, like, a gospel sort of awakening in the last six mm-hmm. years or so, just realizing that yes, I was saved and I was under gospel preaching, but it wasn't the same sort of gospel and Mm -hmm. realizing that, wow, this is a lot different than what I was being taught, you know, in school and by all these sorts of things. And so I would ask maybe how is where you are now different from where you were then? Or maybe I can ask it another way is, is, is what's sort of the biggest change for you since going, since leaving college?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I wondered that for a long time um, because the way I was raised I believe they preached the gospel
2: mm-hmm.
1: like they preached the gospel for salvation I say after that's a different story because they would preach um, you know grace by you know grace through faith and um, that was the gospel i believe i accepted jesus under it is 100 percent impossible with the pure motives to follow jesus by rules alone um and i think that's where the disconnect was for me because i grew up in a baptist church and i grew up the good people love god had great hearts but when i accepted jesus i literally went i wanted to like i was like man i, mean, I felt the freedom of the gospel i felt all these things at 15 that I didn't, I didn't like realize I was Like when, well, why do I feel free from my past? And then what was thrown at me, I was like, man, how do I, how am I supposed to act like a Christian and what was given to me were a bunch of rules. Look this way, be this way, act this way. Don't listen to this. Don't go here. I failed at that. Even like two, three, I remember it was two, three weeks into to my, uh, salvation after my salvation at 15, I'm like, I was very defeated because I was like, I thought, well, now I have to maintain this right relationship. I got the right relationship and I'm in for eternity, but now I have to keep that. And Mm -hmm. so what what happens is you get behind the eight ball so much. You just are like, okay, eventually give up. So self admittedly, I, I didn't hate Christianity, but I, I definitely pushed it aside. I remember telling, uh, we had a friend we, you and I were, uh, in the same kind of friend group there for a while with our society, but, um, telling a guy that we played soccer with, I've said, Hey man, like, I think Christianity is good for some people. I wasn't mad at Christianity; I didn't hate it, but I just, I was like, but I don't think it's for me. Like I've never had that like experience. And so. Or I don't even know why I just kind of gave up on it just because I was like, there's so many things and I know I'm not good enough to do all these things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I like to say they got, so they got grace right for salvation. But after that, they said it was basically up to you and they would never say that in words, but there was definitely a culture of performance. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't measure up, if you didn't behave, you didn't belong. And, what changed it for me was um, my, let's see, going into my senior year, I worked at a summer camp and the director of the summer camp said, hey, we need you to read this book. And the book was Jesus Plus Nothing, It Was Everything by Totally Intervision. And it was as if the scales were like, I read it for a summer and I read like three or four pages and I put it down. And I'd be like, man, I got to reevaluate my life. This is This is a game changer. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I realized I had known the Bible my whole life. I tell people this, I knew everything there was to know about the Bible, all the stories, all the parables. I mean, I heard it all. I was in church like 15 times a week, it seemed like. (laughs) Uh, My dad was a deacon. My mom was an accountant in the church office. I went to Christian school, youth group, everything. Um, And I knew it all. And I was was at that summer reading, Jesus was Nothing, It was as if God just took the scales off my eyes layer by layer by layer. And I started to understand that Christianity and the Bible was about Jesus and the gospel and grace. And I was like, wait, I don't know anything about Christianity. Because if this is what it's about, this is the most freeing and radical message I've ever heard. And totally would say things like, you're... Uh, you know like your identity is not found in things it's found in jesus and your identity is not found in your performance it's found in jesus performance and if jesus won for you you're free to fail and i was like this is the most freeing thing because i felt like i always had to win i always had to be like this extraordinary christian he said if you he says those five lines in that book of since jesus was extraordinary for you you're free to be ordinary since jesus won for you you're free to lose and Jesus, you know like all that stuff it was like what like this is crazy <laughs> And I just remember the freedom of that message that year. And I clicked with me and thankfully, like I've, I've just kind of grown it over the years of like grace saves you, but it also sustains you yeah, throughout the Christian life. And when you have a problem to face every problem, every struggle, every temptation, every setback with the gospel, because the gospel has the answers. I believe that Jesus' death and resurrection has every answer to every question or struggle or temptation or sin you'd ever find yourself in yeah. and if you can submit it to the gospel practically and go how does the gospel practically work itself brings for, for instance anxiety now I understand there's just like clinical anxiety and I understand you need help and doctors and stuff but for me I struggle with anxiety and so how do I take that anxious thought and submit it to literally the obedience of Christ which is the gospel how do I submit to that and Practically going, okay, I'm worried about something I can't control, but actively I can take that anxious thought and go, if I can trust Jesus in the middle of something that seemed with no control, that seemed like the world was ending, the Savior died, the Messiah died, if I can trust him for that and for my future and for my life and I can trust him for the, my past I can trust him for this moment, whatever that situation is. And that's how you actively take the gospel and go. And it's a hard work. It's like mentally submitting that anxious thought to the gospel and going, take that, I'm going to submit it. And I'm going to submit it how. You have to say a how. Like, how? how's the gospel? Like, mentally, how's the gospel approach anxiety? How's the gospel approach uh, this temptation or this control issue or whatever it is? Whatever you struggle with, to learn what that looks like and fight that battle through the gospel it'll lose its power in the gospel. Not that it'll go away and it may come back, but you take it and you submit it again and you take it and you submit it again. and it's like, it's an ongoing struggle, but that brings freedom and it brings answer. Like it, it may not give you like the clarity in life, the hundred percent clarity in life you're looking for, but it definitely that's the growth is submitting yourself to the gospel. And mm. that's, that's how I changed. And, um, I think that's what changed for me, and I don't like hate the way I was raised. I just think that's where they took a misstep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was that somehow became about your performance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Somehow it became a little bit of a pharisaical uh, ideal of oh, I got to follow some rules and check some checklists. Yep. And really, that's not it. Jesus checked all the checklists for us, so. Uh, so no, that does a lot. No,
0: that's perfect um, because. I, I've had the similar experience, and, and in fact, this is a good segue because the last time I saw you was at 2015 Liberate Conference, believe it or mm-hmm. not, and uh, we just randomly ran into each other, which that was, was crazy. Cool. I don't know uh, it's a really small world. Um, but what was your biggest sort of takeaway from that whole experience and that whole weekend? If you can think back to that time,
1: <laughs> um, I, I can't remember very many details um other than I remember it was a battle because I would just started I mean I was within my first six seven months of ministry um, and my boss and I, uh, Mike actually, when we were in the interview process, he said, What books have like really impacted you? And I was like, Jesus was nothing. He was like, Dude, me too. What's your background? So I told my background. He had a very similar background. This book had the same impact on his life, almost the same timeline. He's about six years older than me, but same timeline in our life. Like, why was this happening to me? It was happening to him. So we both like, man, we were like we connected like on the gospel and the grace center teaching and all that. And um, so we we're like, man, we got to take a break from ministry because we were getting hammered because we were, uh, I worked in the, the church was reformed and there, I love reformed people. Their theology is rich and orthodox. And, but there is a sense of legalism in some corners of the Reformed world. And that I felt, and I was like, man, we need to preach a scandalous grace. And we need to watch students come from death to life and realize who they are and Jesus and all this stuff. And we were like preaching it, the scandalous grace and like, loving it and kids were growing and you could see just kids come alive and people were coming and being attracted to that message. And um, I, uh, so we went to a Liberate conference and everybody's like, yeah, but there's things you have to do. We're hearing this from home. Like there's things you gotta do. I think you're getting the grace thing wrong. You're too, taking too far. And uh, I just remember being so convicted. We took, my boss and I talked about those two instances. We were so convicted by some of the things we had like said and like things that we were going through, like sanctification was happening and in my and my boss looks at me he's like man if you really believe grace grace convicts you and it changes you like that's the message people think oh you're not you this is the argument always you know now you can license this sin now and it's like no man if you actually believe in the grace like there's a conviction from the holy spirit like oh man yeah i, I gotta actually walk out this grace in my own life and in front of people hmm. um so that was kind of big. I remember that conversation. That was kind of a big takeaway for me. It was like, man, no, this grace message is working because it works in me and I see it working in other people. Yeah. And then the second one, I was sitting in the lobby at the Laquita Inn down the way from old Coral Ridge and uh, just super cheap. There's tons of people there for the conference. And I heard two old ladies talking, elderly ladies, and they were probably 60, 70. I'm thinking about 70, 60s, my mother's age. So they weren't that age, but, um, by 70, and they were just over coffee right before going into session and all that. They were they were talking and I overheard them. Um right in the table next to us. She was like, Man, this has completely changed my view of Christianity and reignited my passion for God, like this whole like gospel movement and grace movement. And I looked at my boss and I said, That's grace.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: a 70-year-old person does not change their mind about religion they don't change their mind about the way they do church they don't change their mind about what they believe because they don't because the older we get the more settled we get and the fact this lady was confessing to her friends like man this changed me this changed my perspective this changed the way i view christianity like i had no idea and i was like man that's grace because only grace can move a 70 year old mind that has been settled and set in their ways taking that and going man like there's something different. There's something freeing. There's something. So that was really cool for me. I was thinking, man, like nothing in the world could change that person except Mm. for grace. Grace moves that heart and grace changed that. So that's kind of, that was my two distinct memories from that. But, um, I can't, I remember the coffee was good. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome
0: because we have a really similar sort of timeline on how we've sort of, quote-unquote, mm. awakened to the gospel, because I was uh, I was really awakened to it in 2012. I was given from mm. Tolian, actually, a free copy of his book, One Way Love, right before it came out, and I read that before I read the other one, and once I read that, it just opened up a whole new world. I had never heard of guys like Paul Tripp and, and some of the people he was quoting in mm. his book before, and so I read it, and I was like, I need to read that, and then I need to read this and it just opened up all these different avenues and i was like this message is so you know for lack of a better word liberating Mm -hmm. and i can't i was like i can't believe i hadn't heard it in this way before and i just remember that and that's why and i think i can sense the same in you that's why i'm passionate about getting it out to young people Because most of the time they're not taught that type of message. They're Mm -hmm. not taught that type of grace because usually it's we need to make sure they're disciplined to not have premarital sex and to not do drugs. That's Mm -hmm. essentially what it boils down to, Mm -hmm. Uh, youth ministries. And that's not the gospel. Even for them, that's not the gospel. And, yeah, we don't want them to do that. We don't want them to mess up in that way. That's our passion. But that doesn't happen by preaching law. It doesn't happen by preaching
1: rule. No, absolutely 100% agree um, there. I can't tell you the amount of people that I have as over the years, just speaking of this and freeing this or like speaking of this of, of the freeing gospel, like students that have like, wait, like Christianity is about the gospel. Like I thought that was like for salvation and they're like, no, that's not the ABCs of Christianity. That is Christianity. Yeah. Like, this is about Jesus. This isn't about us. This is about our performance. It's not about our rules. It's not about uh, this pastor down the street, like nothing. It's about this guy named Jesus and what he did at the cross. And um, for them to go like, yeah, but to get over that hump. And I, that second summer at that Christian camp, we walked with uh, our, my campers. I had about nine campers that summer. It was more of a discipleship heavy. They were there for three weeks at a time. And we walked through Jesus plus nothing. And it was like this freeing message for me, so I'm like, want everybody to grasp this. <laughs> and I kid you not, Brad, um, about every three to four months, I have one of those students text me that are now like graduating college or ending, nearing, ending college. They were in high school at the time. And they have reached out individually, like just randomly, like, I don't know what them think of it or new season of life or whatever. And they said, I want to, like almost verbatim, it's really interesting. So they said, "I want to thank you for um, helping me understand the gospel that summer because that has um, that stabilized, like their Christian walk. Because for a lot of students, it and young people, it it's, it's if it's dependent on your performance. I mean, it goes up and down, up and down, depending on the retreat and depending on the season and depending on the summer camp you go to. I mean, you're know, like your walk with Jesus goes." T- but what really stables it is—you'll have those moments of, oh, yeah. But what really stables it is like this belief in the gospel, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what carries you from, you know, receiving it all until your death, and then allowing Christ to work in you. And but there's a stabilization there of going like, man, this is not all dependent on my performance. So I don't have to, I don't have to like, live in shame at the lowest of lows, and I can. I believe in the gospel, and it just, I just—I don't know—I don't know, know other way to another way to say it, but I just think it's just—it helps to understand the gospel. It helps people navigate the Christian life
2: mm-hmm.
1: with stability, um, and I mean not just stability but victory, obviously. But just more of like a sense of calm, a sense of peace, and a sense of—and you know, I believe in the gospel today for this situation and that will sustain me today. Even if this doesn't go right for me, if I do fail or that person fails me, it's like, man, so I don't know. That's I could probably should probably figure out a better way to say it, but um, so that's kind of where I'm at.
0: No, that's, that's good. And we're almost out of time here, but I just want to ask one last question because I yeah. like, and I probably know where you're going to go with this just based on our conversation. But as you know, the Majesty's men is a, it's just a brotherhood of guys that just really love Jesus and they're passionate about getting the message of Jesus's performance for them out to other mm. young men. And so if you were allowed to only say one thing to an audience of young men, what would that one thing be?
1: Ooh, uh, one thing, let's see. Um, I think I would say, this is what I would say is it's so hard for guys our age, younger, maybe, you know, whatever, just early in ministry, early in life, kind of, you know, new to things. Um, it is man's blood. It's in man's veins and DNA to be defined by what we do mm. and defined by the success we have. Mm. Um, and this is sounds super cliche, but it is it's our struggle as men. I think we really struggle with being defined by things what we do and the success and if you lose your job like there's a weight on you that not only like financially but there's a weight of i'm not living up to the expectations of what people expect of me
2: hmm.
1: and so as guys our age i think it's so important to i mean, if you man you know this and i know this but if you live in the gospel like believe it in the worst of times that our identity and our our foundation is built on this guy named jesus who is our reputation who you know is everything we would ever want to be and more to rest in that and go man like that's somehow that's what god looks at me and it just i think it just it redefines what you consider success
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like know your job is a success in some ways you know you want to provide for your family understand that but there's also if that doesn't go well if you lose that then you lose everything but you can still lose the job or lose the you know whatever the influence or whatever it is and still be rock-solid on this hey I'm good with God because of what Jesus did for me yeah and we, and that sounds super cliche and it's super hard to live out. I understand that. That's like more than words there, but man, and this priest to myself, if I can be defined by what Jesus did for me at the cross and not for my success in ministry, man, your, your ceiling goes so much higher and your ministry goes so much deeper. Um, Cause then you're able to preach that same message. Cause you actually believe it. And it doesn't just become words it's like, no man, I'm living this right now, like the day to day. And so, that's the only thing I would say. I mean, if I had to give some advice, that would not advice, but just a word of encouragement, man. Like, if you are in ministry, if you're working as a pharmacist or a drywaller, like, doesn't really hinge, nobody's opinion really hinges or makes a huge difference. Like, what well, really ultimately will carry you is what God thinks of you. And we know what he thinks of you. So that's kind of what I would say.
0: Right? Yeah. That is powerful stuff, man. David, thanks for coming on. It's been such a, like, this has been really thrilling for me to just talk with you again and just realize again just how passionate and, and you are for the gospel. It's just been really encouraging to me. So thank you so much for making time for me, and we will definitely see you again. Thanks again to David for taking the time to come on the show today and share his heart for people and for the gospel. Be sure to... Be sure to explore all the links to the stuff we talked about in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. If you like what you just heard, be sure to follow Ministry Minded on Twitter, and you can also subscribe in iTunes and on SoundCloud. Thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring the show, and thank you as always for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode.